yeah, like you can you can start as easy as, you know, just paying attention to the yin and yang of day and night and then maybe where you are in your menstrual cycle, like are you in, um, are you menstruating? Are you in the first half of your menstrual cycle? Are you ovulating? Are you in the second half? So there's so many different layers to it too that are happening at once. And then in the bigger scheme of things, we have um, we have the season. So there's a lot of ways that you can kind of approach that, but yeah, journaling and like awareness of how you're feeling is huge. This is the Empowered Spirituality Podcast, the podcast about inclusive spirituality. Empowered Spirituality is all about connecting and aligning to your own higher self. All religions, spiritual practices and beliefs, sexual orientations, gender identities and expressions are welcomed and celebrated here. I am your host, Samantha Nagel, owner of and coach at Empowered Spirituality, LLC. Every Wednesday, I will share a guided meditation practice, and every Thursday, I will share inspirational teachings or interviews with people with different spiritual practices, beliefs, and opinions. Come every week with an open mind, taking what you like and leaving the rest. Welcome to Empowered Spirituality. Hi everyone, thanks for listening to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. I'm Bex Mui, you she and her pronouns, and I'm a queer biracial spiritual organizer. I'm here to tell you about my latest project, House of Our Queer, which you can find on Instagram. House of Our Queer is a QT by POC-centered spiritual play space where I share affirmations for the queer and trans community. Each week, I host an IG Live queer church, which includes a recharging reading, an astrology update, a weekly spiritual consideration, and closes with a tarot card pull to guide us into the week ahead. Throughout the week, I offer affirmations and gentle responses to current events affecting our diverse community and other IG Live chats on everything from decolonizing Christianity to queer artistic sex ed to crystal readings. Check it out on Instagram at House of Our Queer. Thanks. Hello and welcome to another episode of Empowered Spirituality. This week I am so excited to be joined by Allison Locke. Allison is a licensed acupuncturist and a registered member of the College of Traditional Chinese Medicine Practitioners and Acupuncturists of British Columbia, as well as a fellow of the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine. She is currently practicing as a practitioner of traditional Chinese medicine and certified laser technician at AccuBalance Wellness Center in Vancouver, British Columbia. Allison specializes in fertility and reproductive health with a particular passion for treating endometriosis. This episode was so amazing and so timely as I'm going through my own journeys with my menstrual cycle and my birth control journey. And so very selfishly, I was able to ask you some questions, um, but these are all questions that I've seen uh, with my friends, with people online, with clients that I've been working with. So I thought it was a very timely episode Um, And before we keep going, I just want to remind everyone that not everyone who menstruates is a woman and not all women menstruate. Um, So in this episode, we do say women or women. um, And by that, 
we are referring to those who menstruate, just to let you know, um, or those who um, have, have ovaries, have vaginas, etc. Um, in this episode, we talked about how our body and our bodily systems and our health systems are so similar to nature and how important it is to time and, or not even time, but to pay attention to the cyclical nature of our environment. So paying attention to this season and how that interacts with, with our own seasons internally. And we talk about holistic health. We talk about the importance of learning about our menstrual cycles. And we just talk about how much misinformation or just no information there is about women's health in general. Um, like for an example, I didn't know until maybe about a month ago that the bleed you get if you're on the pill is not a menstrual bleed, it's a withdrawal bleed. Um, and she shares lots of other information that I had no idea about. And I think you as a listener may not have any idea about as well. Um, this episode was so, so amazing. We also talk about endometriosis and her own challenge and struggles with endometriosis, as well as the information that she gives to clients and what she sees in clients. And she also shares this great little hack about how to talk to your doctor, especially as someone with a vagina with a menstrual cycle or menstrual issue and how to go into your doctor with the 10 to 15 minutes you have and talk to them and, and also find respect. Um, which I think is so, so important. And we all need more coaching and help around. Thank you so much, Allison. This was a great episode. I think you will really enjoy it. I'm joined here with Allison Locke. Allison, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and just what makes you you in general? Uh, sure. Um, I'm a registered acupuncturist um, and herbalist in Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, so I'm a practitioner in traditional Chinese medicine. Um, I've got a few other title-y things. So I'm an, a fellow of the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine. Um, I'm a member of the Obstetrical Acupuncture, Acupuncture Association. Um, I'm a certified yoga teacher. Um, so those are all my career sort of things I do. <laughs> Oh, is that all? <laughs> Before we pressed record, we were talking about how all the letters you have after your name and how cool that is. Yeah. Yeah. My boss actually has like, um, he's got like eight titles or something around his name and he always jokes that he's like collecting the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so you do a lot of stuff um, and how do yeah. you integrate those all together? Well, generally, I think my focus is just holistic, holistic health, um, specifically with women's health or reproductive health. So menstruation, fertility, that's hormones. That's mostly my focus. Mm, okay. Um, and what does holistic health mean to you? Well, holistic health is kind of the opposite of our traditional allopathic Western medicine. So it's seeing the body as a whole, as opposed to its individual sort of parts. So instead of just looking at the digestive system um, or, you know, cardiovascular system, we're looking at how the body functions as a whole, because as we know, the body works as a whole, everything in the body is interconnected and influences everything. So holistic health just uses that uh, sort of viewpoint to uh, to better your health. Mm, I love that. I love, um, that so many people are bringing holistic health into our Western world. Um, I think mm -hmm. it's so important. So important. How did you get started doing that? 
Um, it's kind of a weird story. So I originally, I mean, I grew up, you know, I had like the health nut mother. So like I was always eating like weird vegetables in my lunch while other kids had fruit roll-ups and stuff. So I've always <laughs> just kind of been exposed to uh, the importance of what is healthy and that it is really important having, you know, good health. My, my mom always really stressed that. So I kind of had a little bit of a background and I know this is important. Um, and then I originally went to school for art and architecture and, oh. um, so I moved to uh, New York city when I was 18 and, uh, started school there. Um, I lasted about a semester to a year before I realized this is not for me and this is not what I want to do. Um, yeah. I got very like disillusioned with everything and um, I dropped out and traveled around for a bit and picked up a book about traditional Chinese medicine and fell in love with it. And I was like, oh, this is this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. This is what I want to do. And then yeah. um, I went to I went back to New York and went to school for Chinese medicine. Wow, that is so I love hearing stories about people following a path that they quote unquote should do or it's like the yeah, right option and then right? choosing a path that actually aligns with you. I think that's so exciting to hear. Yeah, it was really cool because I don't even know, I don't even remember when I decided that I was gonna go to architecture school. I was just like, oh, so this is what I'm gonna do. So I applied, went, and then realized, oh, this is yeah, this is not who I am at all. And I I think when I when I left for uh for college I especially like you know I was in New York City like in the heart of of Manhattan and so mm -hmm. I was just very much uh exposed to a whole bunch of things that I was not growing up and I just realized oh wow the world is so much bigger than what I thought it was and there's so many of these other important things that I didn't know existed and it was very much of like coming into myself and realizing what I actually wanted to do, what I liked, and what actually felt right for me. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, can you explain more about what Chinese medicine is or what that looks like for you? Yeah, so traditional Chinese medicine, it's like a 2000 plus year old practice um, of it's really the study of how the human body is really connected to nature and really mirrors nature in a lot of ways. And so we use the philosophy of yin and yang, which a lot of people are very familiar with. They're basically the duality uh, that exists in everything, um, kind of in equal amounts and, well, hopefully in equal amounts because then that means things are harmonious. Mm -hmm. um, there's an equal balance and, um, it's just about how the human body is this microcosm of the macrocosm of the world. And so we have all of the elements of nature in us too, um, in different amounts. And when we're kind of out of a line with nature is when we experience disharmony and disease and um, ill health, basically. Mm, out of a line with nature. Um, and I when I hear that, I think about how we live life right now, where we are. Um, I feel mm -hmm. like we're so out of line with not just nature around us, but our own nature and our own duality. Um, what does that look like to try and incorporate that balance? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it can be as simple as 
you know, day and night. Like we ignore so much of our daily circadian rhythm of, you know, when it's day daytime and the sun rises, then we get up, we expose, you know, our brain to sunlight, which then sets off the necessary hormonal impulses for the rest of the day. And, you know, we're active, we do all of our things we need to do in a day, we eat at like the regular times of the day. And then when it's dark out, or the sun starts to set, we kind of slow down, we dim the lights, we go to bed at a decent time. I mean, like that alone, not enough people uh, sort of implement in their life, which is totally understandable. Life isn't really set up that way. Um, (laughs) Modern life, at least. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, like, our hormonal fluctuations throughout the day and then especially as women like our our monthly um our monthly cycles as well being being in touch with that i feel like is not often done and a lot of people don't really realize how to connect with themselves in in those sorts of Mm -hmm. ways and how to optimize their life with these kind of natural uh, fluctuations in nature we kind of ignore it like oh this is nature and then this is us and our bodies operate Mm. uh just very separate to that which is not true like we're all we're in the world we're human beings and we're wrapped up in this sort of nature macrocosm and we don't really uh a lot of people just we don't really realize our part in it I love that and you're so right that we don't acknowledge our own fluctuations or our own seasons but mm-hmm. yet we we are very willing to acknowledge that when it's winter time our lifestyles change and when it's summertime our lifestyles change and we have our own inner seasons um yeah what is it like what was it like for you to connect with that to yourself um I just feel like you feel generally better <laughs> when you're like observing what's going on in nature too like Chinese medicine is yeah. very much into the seasons like there's different elements per season and then each element is associated with like a, a food flavor a color part of the body an organ system and so I think just throughout my um my studies in Chinese medicine um the past eight or so years I've just really learned to uh be aware of these and just the awareness of these fluctuations and how like oh man chinese medicine is really right like i really understand like oh how the wood element is so tied to spring because we're like growing from our roots and spreading up and out and how um and how you know with with winter it's very much grounded and with the kidney and water element and everything's more still and quiet and cold and dark and mm-hmm. just learning to the awareness of this but then also implementing it in your life I feel like you just tap into a different I don't know like level of feeling good <laughs> that I feel mm-hmm. like we really don't acknowledge or understand fully yeah oh I love that tapping into the would you say the knowledge of feeling good yeah, or just a different a different level of health that's just so much more in tune with nature. Like, yeah, we can be healthy and take our supplements and eat well and get enough sleep. But if we're, you know, eating a lot of cold raw things and training for a marathon in the middle of winter, like your body's still not going to like that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, and I'm curious, how does mental health play a role in, in the health of the body? Yeah. So, I mean, in Chinese medicine, the emotions are so connected to the physical aspects of the body. So, I mean, there's no brain organ system in Chinese medicine. It's actually a lot of emotions. Um, Well, each emotion 
is kind of connected to one of the major organ systems in Chinese medicine. So um, like stress and depression is the liver organ system. Excessive worry is the spleen and stomach organ system. Fear is the kidney system. So each organ system has their own uh, emotion uh, that is very much tied to it. So if you have a disharmony in one of these organ systems, it can manifest in that kind of emotion. So it's really helpful for, it's one of the main sort of things we use for diagnosis in Chinese medicine. If someone's, um, has a lot of, has a lot of stress or worries, or they're just prone to anxiety, uh, or depression, it kind of helps us, uh, know which organ system to treat and how to support them through that. Mm, that is so, so cool. Um, mm-hmm. oh, you had mentioned awareness right before I went on that new. <laughs> um, would you say that that's like maybe a good first step for someone? Because I feel like sometimes we hear these things and we're like, yes, I need to like be aware of my spleen and I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> but right. Maybe a good first step, just maybe taking notes on how you feel or what would you recommend? for someone Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like you can you can start as easy as, you know, just paying attention to the yin and yang of day and night and then maybe where you are in your menstrual cycle. Like, are you in, um, are you menstruating? Are you in the first half of your menstrual cycle? Are you ovulating? Are you in the second half? So there's so many different layers to it too that are happening at once. And then in the bigger scheme of things, we have um, we have the season. So there's a lot of ways that you can kind of approach that. But yeah, journaling and like awareness of how you're feeling is huge. I mean, I feel like with women, the menstrual cycle is a, a very key point of that. Like our how we feel is so dependent on our hormonal fluctuations throughout the menstrual cycle so i feel like that's a really good place to start for a lot of people um and then yeah it's checking in intuitively because of course all this knowledge is inside of you you don't necessarily have to learn about it and study it and go to school for it or you know read a million books about it to to really understand how you feel in your body Mm, i love that you said that you really don't need to do that much studying you just have to go within yeah totally like because you can really like when I learned about the Chinese medicine um like seasonal living uh when I was aware of it and I kind of practiced it I was like oh this actually makes a lot of sense a lot of this stuff I was actually doing intuitively too like and, and a lot of it's kind of basic um basic knowledge like you know eat the warm things in winter a lot of it is just feels good to us intuitively so I feel like checking in with yourself like um does eating this thing or doing this kind of activity at this time of the year feel good to you and if it does awesome um but if it doesn't maybe check in to see if there's uh you know a reason why when look into that or if there's an alternative that feels better and why does that feel better yes Oh, and I definitely want to talk about monthly cycles, menstrual cycles, um, sure. and partially just selfishly. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's something I've been in the process of exploring, and um, I've been on birth control since I was 13 or 12. It was oh, like wow. one of the first things they put me on. Oh, yeah. Um, and now that I'm experiencing, like, wow, you have actually four different seasons in a month mm-hmm. and just how powerful they are. And we don't know anything about that really. So I would love to hear more about what that looks like and just your experience with that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's your situation is so, so prevalent and where, you know, as a teenager, before your hormones are even fully established, you have like, oh, you know, painful periods or they're irregular and you know they're kind of supposed to be irregular when you first get periods <laughs> your body's taking yeah. some time to learn itself 
Um, and then so many people are just put on birth control to sort of mask the body's natural processes. And I'm not, you know, anti-birth control pill yeah, whatsoever or contraception whatsoever. I think it definitely has a time and place. Mm -hmm. um, and it's definitely a useful tool for, for a lot of people. Um, but it is generally overused. And I feel like we can really uh, use it as it's kind of a monthly monthly report card of how balanced your hormones are, how, you know, how are your inflammation levels? Like what exactly is going in in your body? Because it can really tell you so much information um, about what's going on. But so, yeah, there's different sort of seasons in the menstrual cycle. It's roughly split up into four phases. So there's uh, the bleeding part and then there's the um, the part where the follicles are growing in your ovaries. So that's your follicular phase from period to ovulation. And then you have ovulation, which, you know, is a short phase because it's only about a day, but, um, it's a very transformative part of the menstrual cycle. And then you have your luteal phase, which is the premenstrual part. So from ovulation to your next period and each sort of phase of the cycle, you do feel different. And when you're kind of aware of your own natural cycle, um, you can kind of pinpoint how you feel naturally throughout your entire cycle. I mean, there's, I love that there's so many new books and people actually talking about this now. I feel like it's becoming less yeah. taboo and just like more well-known that, oh, you know, we do feel differently throughout our menstrual cycle. This is not a bad thing. This is something to be utilized for our advantage so we can sort of live more optimally. Um, so I think this is becoming something that's starting to become a bit more mainstream. I think it definitely has a long ways to go, but we're definitely getting there. Um, so yeah, there's the different phases of the menstrual cycle that is characterized by um, different physiological and emotional um, characteristics. Mm, yeah, and you slightly touched on something about how, I mean, the whole thing was about how powerful our menstrual cycles are, mm -hmm. but I feel like growing up, we're so often taught like, when your period comes, it's the devil and like, <laughs> you're going to have a horrible time. And like, like the mindset it's around. So periods. true. Yeah. So I feel like to, to start this journey for myself, it looks like mm -hmm. changing my mindset around my cycle. Yeah. Um, can you speak to any of that kind of mindset around the cycle? Well, yeah, absolutely. I feel like we're just sort of conditioned and it's so normal to think of our period as just something that's like gross, dirty, it's in the way, it's preventing us from doing the things that we want to do, it's supposed to hurt, it's painful, it's just something we kind of grudgingly accept as, as women. And that was definitely like my experience of it as a teenager too. I was like, oh, this again, like, this is annoying. I'm going to have to deal with it. It's embarrassing. Like, what if my friends find out I'm on my period? Like there's right. just so much involved and it was just such a headache. Like, you know, trying to just bear through the cramps when you're, you know, in English class. So no one notices kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> And it's so unfortunate because uh, it's like, because we're just not taught that it's something that's normal. It's beautiful. It's like so important to us as women and such a source of power that I is just so suppressed. And yeah, it's just, it's really unfortunate. It's yeah, it's pretty devastating. It is devastating. I definitely felt like some grief as I was opening myself up to this like awesome innate power mm -hmm. that I have in me 
and how I had been so yeah. for so long. Yeah, it's so true. The shame, the shame is so, it's such a weird part of it too. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, I don't blame, you know, my mother or her mother at all no. in the slightest, because I can't even imagine what it must have been like for her generation. But, you know, it's something that's, that's passed on on generationally like how you view your menstrual cycle like I feel like it's so much tied into how you saw the women in your life uh view their menstrual cycle what they did about it how they felt about it like it's a learned sort of behavior mm -hmm. and yeah I feel like we're you know as a society kind of starting to realize that um we can look to to other you know other women other people influencing us about our menstrual cycle and how we feel about it yeah I love you said that word embarrassing and I thought about myself as a like however old I was and I bled through in class and I was like so ashamed oh but it's like yes. and I would put my tampons in my sleeve yeah like shuffle <laughs> to the bathroom but it's like yeah but like you can carry that shit with you to the bathroom with your hands right oh my gosh I really hope teenagers today are doing that in school I really hope like I our generation too. was the last one <laughs> where it was this shameful embarrassing thing <laughs> I know um and you said something about how you're not anti-birth control you're not anti the pill and there's mm -hmm. certainly no shame or judgment for women or or those who can conceive who decide to be on hormonal contraceptive mm -hmm. and I feel like that's a hard, that's a hard line to straddle too. But if someone is on hormonal birth control or contraceptives, um, which, how do you recommend that they get in contact with their hormones, even if it's not quite the regular cycle that we're born with, if that question makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, when you're on a hormonal birth control, you don't have the fluctuations of a menstrual cycle, obviously, because you're on a same dose of hormones every every day. So what it's basically doing is instead of having, um, so the brain communicates with your ovaries to tell it when to ovulate, when to start growing follicles, when to have your period and the birth control pill, um, shuts off that communication from your brain to your ovaries. So you're in sort of a perpetual, they do kind of liken it to like a perpetual luteal phase, um, hormonally. So <laughs> essentially you're kind of stuck in PMS world <laughs> when you're on hormonal birth control, which says a lot about it. Um, so that's, yeah, that's basically what the hormonal birth control pill is doing or any kind of hormonal birth control. So including the IUD, which a lot of people think, um, that just means the hormones are just in your uterus, but actually it's also circulating throughout your bloodstream because that's how it prevents ovulation because it needs to go from your brain to your ovaries. Um, it needs to stop that communication in order for you to stop ovulating. Um, and I feel like what you can do is, I mean, if you have a withdrawal bleed from your peer, from your, from your pill or something, I feel like that's mm -hmm. a good time to kind of check in and tune in with yourself because that's when your hormones are at a baseline when you stop that pill. Um, and same with menstruation. So that part's kind of similar in, in both cases, it's a hormonal kind of zero point. So I feel mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, checking in with yourself then doing some journaling or practices that kind of help you get in tune with that point before you start the next package of birth control pills or something like that can be really helpful. Um, but then also when I do have patients that are on birth control, I do make sure that they're on um, some supplements that are depleted by the birth control pill, which support hormones and, you know, health in general. 
So like um, V-complex, magnesium, selenium, and some other antioxidants I think are really important if you're on hormonal contraception, maybe even a probiotic because it can uh, damage your gut microbiome. So there's a lot of things that you can do to sort of help support yourself while you're on hormonal birth control because yeah, again, it does have a time and place. Um, sometimes it's really necessary. Like if you have, you know, excruciating, horrible periods and you just need to, you know, get through some part in your life. Um, or sometimes it is a good option when you like have endometriosis or PCOS and you're just not, you don't have the resources to really get into that hormonal balance because I really do unfortunately believe that sometimes having healthy, pain-free periods and, you know, a hormonally balanced menstrual cycle is kind of in some sense, like a privilege, like you have to have access to, you know, healthy nutrient dense food that supports your hormonal processes, like the amount of stress in your life, the amount of sleep that you're able to get, like all of this stuff is kind of a luxury and, you know, that's not always available to a lot of people. So I think it's so context dependent. Um, but yeah, so back to birth control and how you can support yourself hormonally supplements, getting enough sleep, paying attention to your gut microbiome is huge. Um, but then also noticing how you feel, uh, mentally on the birth control pill, I think is huge because one of the major side effects is mood disorders, anxiety, depression. Um, and being aware of that, I think is really important because we're not told that these are side effects of the birth control pill. And I don't know how many times I've heard the story of, I went on the pill and then I, became depressed and went on antidepressants. And that's a statistic thing. Like the mm -hmm. amount of antidepressants, you know, that um, women go on after the birth control pill is way higher than if you're not on the birth control pill. And yeah. I feel like a lot of people aren't told that, you know, this isn't necessarily you, but this is an effect of, of hormonal contraception, unfortunately. And realizing that and being aware of that uh, can make a huge difference. And it can either be like, okay, like I know that these emotions are coming from the pill. Like, I know this isn't me. There's nothing wrong with my life right now, or like my spouse or partner, or like what I'm doing in school or work. Um, having that awareness alone can be huge, but also understanding like, okay, is the mental health effects, uh, is it worth it? Like in a lot of cases, it's, it's not like, is it worth being on the pill for whatever reason you are? Um, and then having these, um, negative mental health effects, or is it not worth it? in a lot of people's cases, and it's a totally you choice. It's very dependent on, on your life in the context, but, um, it's not something that we're told that is a common side effect of, of the birth control pill and hormonal contraception in general. And, yeah, I just feel like that's a, such a huge disservice to women. Mm, yeah, the amount that we're told about what we're being given is is so mm -hmm. bad. And I remember I asked a doctor mm -hmm. semi-recently, I had switched from the arm implant to the pill and I said, so mm -hmm. do I get PMS with this? And she was like, no, it's perfect all the time. Um, and, <laughs> you're, <laughs> and you're saying that, that three, those three weeks is, is similar to being premenstrual constantly. Yeah. Mm hmm. Exactly. It's hormonally similar in some senses. Wow. So, I mean, you know, you're not getting the PMS because I mean, PMS is characterized by 
um, by the levels of progesterone in your body, which you only secrete after ovulation. So that's a very, PMS is a very specific point in time where, you know, you have those certain levels of progesterone in your body and whether they're, if they're too low, you can be in a lower progesterone kind of estrogen dominant state. And then that's when you get a lot of PMS kind of hormonal symptoms, like, you know, moodiness, uh, breast tenderness, bloating, cravings, a lot of that has to do with those kinds of hormones. So you don't necessarily, it's not, you know, exactly equivalent to, to PMS, but it's, it's similar because it's still, you know, you have that little bit of progesterone in the birth control pill and it's not enough and it's a synthetic form. So it's not even equivalent to the more bioavailable natural form that's produced in our bodies that, mm-hmm. you know, are all the receptors and all of, and all over our body can like and scoops up and then creates, you know, the feel good effects, like good mental health. <laughs> Which, and yeah, we don't get that from the birth control pill. Synthetic progesterone doesn't work the same way. Mm, thank you for saying that. And thank you to, you touched on it um, when you were talking about the way that we, you know, how much sleep we get, how we act in the daylight. Um, and then with the healthy cycles, um, that it is a luxury too. And I feel like I wanted to touch on that previously that I feel mm-hmm. like there could be some shame around like, I'm not getting enough sleep and like getting stressed about the fact that maybe you can't, or that isn't accessible to you or you work nights or whatever it is. Exactly. I really love that you said that because we feel shame about so many things. We don't need to shame ourselves about this. I love that you said that. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely true. It's yeah. Having easy periods and a healthy menstrual cycle, um, is unfortunately a privilege. that is not accessible to many that are like working night shifts or don't have access to, you know, the healthiest food ever, or, you know, have five kids to raise and can't get, you know, eight hours of sleep. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, and I want to talk about endometriosis because I know that's something you're Mm -hmm. passionate about, but before I switch to that, I wanted to ask you, I know that you also work with the fertility awareness method and that Mm -hmm. seems like a nice segue from birth control. So I wonder if you could explain what that is. Yeah. So fertility awareness method is honestly just what it says is being aware of your fertility. So knowing the days that you are fertile and not fertile, and this can be helpful for when you are trying to conceive, obviously, because you need to know when you're fertile or when, or how to prevent being pregnant, um, where you're abstaining, um, during your, kind of ovulatory window in the days that you know you could potentially be fertile. So it uses um, a few different sort of techniques. Um, So one is taking your basal body temperature. Um, So you're basically just taking your temperature every morning. Um, And then there's, you know, using cervical fluid um, analysis, you can use your cervix height. Um, And there's a few, there's a few other tools. I think you need to have like use at least two or three of them um, in order to kind of effectively prevent pregnancy if you want to do it (laughs) effectively. Um, Or you can just use a couple of the tools like for primarily my patients are trying to conceive. So a lot of my job is teaching them how to know when they're fertile. So so that's through um, ovulation predictor kits, LH strips, um, knowing what their cervical fluid looks like during their fertile window, Um, and then yeah, seeing a temperature rise after ovulation. Um, so when progesterone is secreted in your body, it's a thermogenic hormone. So that means it makes your body temperature rise. And that is able to be calculated through just a regular everyday drugstore thermometer that you can easily get. Um, so it's a really kind of, it's a very 
you know, cheap, easy way to learn so much about your body and um, either conceive or prevent pregnancy and just be more in tune with yourself. Like I, I use it a lot to uh, prevent pregnancy, but then also because I am such a nerd for hormones, I love to know exactly <laughs> where I am in my cycle. I love to know when I'm ovulating exactly what day I can, you know, know that my period is going to come. Um, I just find it so fascinating that our body tells us these things and we're not, you know, taught that growing up, like we're not taught this in sex ed that, you know, we're taught in sex ed that we're pregnant or we can get pregnant every single day of our cycle, even when we're on our period and that we just have to be so careful and, you know, STDs, that's basically like, oh, we're taught in sex ed. Um, but really there's there's only, you know, one day of your menstrual cycle that you can get pregnant. I mean, cervical fluid can um, sort of widen that window by a few days, uh, but you're really only able to get pregnant, you know, one day of your cycle. And I feel like that's kind of mind-blowing to a lot of women <laughs> that weren't taught these like really basic things about their body. Um, so the fertility method awareness, I recommend to everyone, even if it's not your main method of birth control. Um, but if you're cycling naturally and you're not on any hormonal contraception, I think it's just such like a wonderful tool. Um, and if you do want to learn more, I love the book, uh, Taking Charge of Your Fertility. It's just like a huge, huge textbook, but it's so fascinating and teaches you everything about this sort of this yeah. method. Um, and I just find it such an empowering sort of practice of learning, learning about your body yeah. and what it can do. It absolutely is so empowering. And I think even if you're not using it for birth control, or if you're not trying to get pregnant, maybe you're not even sexually active, just knowing just knowing like what's going on and exactly like I didn't know until maybe a month ago that your cervix changes I thought it was like yeah once a cervix always a cervix yeah it just sits there (laughs) does its thing (laughs) but it does so many different things during your cycles and I think yeah just knowing that about yourself is so powerful it's really cool yeah yeah thank you for sharing that information I'll link to the book that you mentioned taking charge of your fertility in the show Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, And can you share more about endometriosis and maybe what it is and why you're so passionate about it? Yeah. So endometriosis is a really common um, gynecological disease where um, cells that are similar to the lining of the uterus implant outside of the uterus. So in your abdominal pelvic cavity, um, it attaches to um, other organ systems and on your ovaries and create cysts. And so it's a whole bunch of lesions in your pelvis um, that secretes a lot of inflammation and other hormones. And so it leads to a lot of pelvic pain and infertility. Um, And it's a really, really common disease that is sorely underfunded. And Mm. um, there's not a lot of awareness and education in it. And I'm extremely passionate about it because not only do I have it, but I treat it a lot um, in the clinic. So I have a ton of patients um, Mm. struggling with endometriosis, either just trying to get their pelvic pain down, trying to conceive, Mm. trying to get their cycles more regulated, their hormones more balanced. Um, It's, yeah, it's a really, it's such a varying disease because you can have 
you know, a ton of, of lesions and cysts and everything in your pelvis and not a lot of symptoms or just a few lesions and a lot of mild endometriosis, but a ton of symptoms. And, you know, the symptoms itself vary so much. So not only is it pelvic pain, but period pain, you can have pain with intercourse, um, a lot of digestive problems too. Um, you can have nausea and fatigue, like it's such a full body disease that um, there's really not enough information on. So a lot of people are underdiagnosed, misdiagnosed, and don't have access to very good treatment options. So it is something that I'm really passionate about um, learning and educating people about um, and also helping treat some of the symptoms. Yeah. Wow. And you're so right. It's just that women's health in general, not even endometriosis isn't really funded mm -hmm. or, or taught about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious, I had this conversation with a friend and she was saying she went to a gynecologist's office and she started crying and the doctor just mm -hmm. did everything. She didn't care for her. She just did everything anyway. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about how traumatic it can be to go into a provider, whether it's a gynecologist or whatever it is. Um, and I'm wondering if you have any, any tips for finding someone that can help you through these issues or, or like maybe the rights that people do have that they need to be aware of when they go into these situations, if that question makes sense. Right. No, it absolutely does. Cause I, that's a, a huge part of my job is actually like coaching women on how to approach their doctors, especially gynecologists, because wow. it's, it's so hard to, you're right. It's like the power dynamic is, is really tricky. And, mm. you know, I feel like a lot of women are just intimidated to not, you know, tell not, they're not able to actually accurately describe to their doctor what they're suffering with and what they want, what they're looking for. And a lot of the time it's just really unsatisfying and yeah it can be like horribly traumatic um so i mean a lot of doctors are hit or miss so it's hard to find a good doctor so not being upset by one doctor's experience that you have but you know not giving up and trying to find a good doctor um by you know there's a lot of going to forums online or like Facebook groups or asking your friends and other family members if they have good doctors um, that would be willing to listen to you is one thing. So finding a good doctor in and of itself is really hard. Um, but then also knowing why you're going to the doctor. So are you trying to get um, a requisition to something, trying to get some blood work, going to a specialist, like having a very clear plan of why you're going to that doctor and what you are looking for is really important because you only have like what 10, 15 minutes with this doctor, maybe max. So being really clear on why you're going and what you are looking for will help save a lot of time. Um, and then, you know, doing a lot of research on yourself. So I have um, some patients that I, that I help, you know, teach, teach them what to say when they're going to a doctor if, if they think they have endometriosis. So um, I'll tell them, you know, say because of these symptoms that I have, I have painful intercourse, I have really painful periods that don't respond to conventional, you know, medication, because that is one big red flag for endometriosis. Um, and then, you know, what you're clearly looking for, like I'm looking for some an ultrasound or other diagnostic tests that we can start with to start investigating this. 
or if you just have irregular cycles or no period at all, or if whatever you're looking for contraception or whatever it is that you're looking for, do a little bit of research beforehand. So the doctor isn't just like, okay, yeah, here you go. And then you don't know what they just offered. So doing a little bit of research beforehand, I think is really important. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of a few of my basic tips. And I do email patients like actual scripts sometimes of like exactly what to ask their doctor um, and what to say in certain scenarios. Because <laughs> it's so that's hard amazing. to know what, you know, you're supposed to talk to your doctor about and and what yeah. they offer. Cause yeah, again, we're not, we're not taught this and we're kind of taught that like the doctor knows all and knows everything, but um, I f you know, your body the best. Like I feel like women really intuitively know when something is wrong with their bodies and when they need, know they need to seek help from a doctor and to not dismiss that sort of inkling uh, or little voice in their head that says something isn't right. And to, you know, be very adamant about what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. mm, I love, I love that you emailed them a script. It's <laughs> so cool and so empowering. Um, and I wanted to go back to endometriosis very quickly and say, mm -hmm. are there, I feel like there's a stigma around endometriosis or like a mm -hmm. life sentence type of feeling when you are diagnosed endometriosis. So I'm wondering if there are any misconceptions about endometriosis that you'd like to talk about. Oh, there's tons. Um, well, one big one is that it's just a painful period when it's so much more than that because it's such a widespread full body disease that can affect, um, I think it's officially been found like lesions of endometriosis on almost every single organ system in the entire body. And that can have a lot of, you know, impacts on, wow. on everything that's going on. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's just a, it's a really full body inflammatory disease that can affect so much more than, than just your period. Um, and there's a lot of misconceptions that, oh, you have it, you are going to be in pain for the rest of your life, which is absolutely not true if you find good surgeons because um, excision surgery of endometriosis is the current gold standard of treatment. So um, finding a really good surgeon that specializes in, in treating endometriosis is definitely key. Um, but then also there's knowing that there's so many ways that you can also naturally treat it too. So, um, diet, lifestyle, exercise, supplements, herbs, acupuncture, um, are all really great tools. And I don't think I've yet to have an endometriosis patient where I haven't been able to treat her symptoms naturally to some extent. Um, so there's always, always options and there's always something that you can do uh, to help treat your, treat your symptoms naturally, because, you know, the main component of it is inflammation and, you know, your diet and lifestyle has so much to do with the levels of inflammation in your body. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. Um, and I'd like to, you kind of mentioned this in the beginning when we talked about, um, how our mental health can be both indicators of an issue or, caused by an issue, you know, it, it's kind of, yeah, all, it's all like entangled. a cause and effect. Yeah. Yes. And I'm wondering, um, what you or what Chinese medicine in general says about spirituality in, in the body. Oh, well, so Chinese medicine is very connected to Taoism. So, I mean, it's inherently very spiritual and Taoism is basically, we are one with nature and, 
um, that nature, you know, the harmony of nature resides in us all. Um, and so, I mean, with Chinese medicine, there's so many spiritual parts to it. Like there's a lot of the importance of qi and in your body and uh, you cultivating that through meditation and breathing techniques and everything. So I feel like Chinese medicine is very inherently spiritual because um, it's trying to just get, it's trying to just preserve, uh, you know, your life spirit and, you know, your God chi energy inside of you for optimal physical health. Um, and yeah, so the Taoism component is really, is really huge in Chinese medicine. Mm. And just like we talked about connecting with the body and, and how to start bringing that awareness, how would you recommend someone start to check in with their own spirit and their own spirituality? Yeah, I feel like that will look so different for the person. I feel like meditation is, I mean, across the board, definitely important. Everyone needs to meditate. And it's a huge part of, of my own, um, my own spiritual practice. Uh, so everyone needs to get out of meditation, a meditation sort of practice in general. Um, I think journaling is a really good tool for some people. And I think just mindfulness in general. So being aware of, of how you're feeling and what you're feeling. Um, if there's moments of, of the day where you're feeling really overwhelmed or stressed out, or you get surges of, of negative emotions that don't feel good, just being aware in that moment, oh, I'm feeling this emotion. Why am I feeling this emotion? Where is it coming from? Uh, what is its deeper meaning? Because there's always a deeper meaning to whatever you're feeling. It's never, you know, it's never that, it's never too superficial. Um, so I feel like checking in with these kind of basic things and just having a certain level of awareness um, of what's going on in your body is a huge sort of mental health and intuition kind of cultivating tool. Mm -hmm. And you're so right when you say intuition, just like you said, we, we know, we may not, there's so many things on top of it, like programming, mm -hmm. maybe unhealthy behaviors or whatever yeah. that looks like. But at the root, we do know. Yeah, it's true. It's very deep. It's covered by a lot of stuff, covered by a lot of mindless chatter and ego mm -hmm. and, you know, conditioning, like you said, but it's definitely there. Mm, thank you. Um, I'm going to ask you the four questions that I ask all of my guests. Um, and the first one is, what would you tell your younger self, knowing all that you know now? Oh, my younger self. I, I would probably tell my younger self that everything will be okay. <laughs> I feel like when you're going through rocky periods in life, especially when you're younger, like in adolescence or early adulthood, every, every like major, you know, life event that feels, you know, traumatic or horrible feels like, okay, this is it. The world's ending. <laughs> and yeah. I, I've had so many moments and we all have where like, this is it. My world is over. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, maybe I'm just a dramatic person, but I've had so many, so many instances in my life where I'm like, okay, that's it. World's over. We're done. I don't know how I'm going to recover from this, but I think just knowing that, yes, you will recover from this. Like, yes, you will be fine. Um, if I had tapped into like my intuition then, and, you know, had felt that, I think that would have helped me. So yeah, that's what I would tell my younger self. Everything will be okay. Yes. I love that. And oppositely, 
I don't think that's a word. Um, <laughs> what do you hope to learn from your future self or your older self? From my older self, I hope I learn, I hope I eventually learn how to relax more. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like I have a hard time um, slowing down and uh, grounding myself. And so I hope my future self will be able to tell me like, don't worry, you'll figure this out. You'll know how to relax. <laughs> mm-hmm. It'll take some time, but you'll get it. I love that. And how do you connect with your higher self? Um, through, through meditation. Definitely. My morning routine is very, very important to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, meditation, breathing. I've been getting into some breathing, uh, sort of techniques and, and, and breath work, which I've been finding really cool, um, and really grounding. Um, yeah. I love it. Do you mind sharing one of your favorite breath techniques? Uh, the four, four, eight breathing technique I've been doing for so long. Um, it's just inhale for a count of four, hold for a count of four, exhale for a count of eight. Um, it's the, the longer, the longer exhales, um, that are longer than your inhales is what activates, uh, the parasympathetic nervous system. So using your breath as a tool for, manipulating your nervous system into what you want it to be, which is usually relaxed, is (laughs) just really underrated. And um, it's just, you know, it's a free, easy tool that you can do anytime, anywhere. And uh, people don't have to know that you're, you know, in a Zen mode doing some breathing techniques when you're like standing in line at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. And now that we have Matt, or well, I guess we're kind of moving away from masks, but when I had the (laughs) I'd be like... (laughs) yeah right (laughs) so true (laughs) all right I'll ask you the last question thanks for letting me go on a tangent yeah the last question is what does empowered spirituality mean to you um I feel like that just means being very in tune with your intuition um and your higher self as you called it before I think is a really great way a great way to describe it so yeah being you really in tune with um what's important to you your ethics and morals and what you feel like you're meant to do on this planet in this lifetime um and you know intuitively going about life I think is what empowered spirituality is thank you so much and can you tell everyone how they can work with you how they can uh what's your instagram what's your website all the cool stuff I'm sure on Instagram, I'm sea of chi healing, um, my website, which is probably about five years old and not updated is also sea of chi healing.com. Um, I work at AccuBalance Wellness Center in Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, but yeah, I'm mostly on Instagram. So that's a good place to reach me. And do you do your services online in person, both uh both mostly in person because i'm primarily an acupuncturist and um (laughs) unfortunately that requires direct contact (laughs) uh so mostly um mostly in person but i have uh done some online stuff um especially with covid Mm, awesome yeah yeah don't do acupuncture (laughs) no (laughs) nope i'm not shipping needles to anyone (laughs) that's not that's a red flag (laughs) (laughs) yeah if your acupuncturist (laughs) is doing that get a different acupuncturist because that's not good (laughs) that's funny 
Awesome. And Allison, is there anything that we didn't touch on that you'd like to make sure we cover really quickly? Um, I think that that was a lot of it. That yeah, I think like that was very well rounded. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Allison, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Yeah, this was a really good talk. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so, so much, Allison, for coming on the podcast, for giving us so much information that honestly we may have not otherwise gotten. Um, and I'd just like to reiterate what we said in the episode, which is if you're doing, don't feel like there's a wrong or a right way to do things. You know, and we talked about the luxury and the privilege that comes with being able to sleep when the sun goes down and rise when the sun comes up or access to having things that promotes a healthy cycle, et cetera. Um, or even if you don't do have access to these things and maybe you haven't been doing them, please don't feel a sense of judgment to yourself or shame. Um, this is a process and it's stuff that we're not taught and not taught for a reason, right? So if you're not doing these things, it's because you, know, you were taught not to do these things. So that's okay. Um, and just to reiterate what I said at the beginning, uh, we would just like to acknowledge that not all who menstruate are women and not all women menstruate. Um, so this episode, we did use the word women and woman, uh, but just to let you all know, that was the intention behind that. Using that word is, is folks who menstruate or folks who have, um, who can conceive and, and such. Um, if you like this episode, consider heading over to wherever you listen to podcasts. I always say that. You're probably already there because you're listening. <laughs> um, and consider leaving a rating and review. This just helps more people find the podcast and find awesome information like Allison shared. If you'd like to work with me, you can go to my website, empoweredspirituality.online. And if you'd like to contact me directly, you can do so on the website or you can visit my Instagram at empowered.spirituality. Um, you can always send topic requests. Um, if you'd like to be on the podcast, you can contact me either way or if you have a topic that you'd like to suggest, that's fine. Until then though, Namaste and thank you for listening. It can be challenging to find a community of supportive people to share in our spiritual journeys with. We all need support and love no matter where we are on our personal journeys. So I am excited to announce that I have created the space for just that. In the Empowered Spirituality community, you will receive a weekly video lesson, weekly journaling prompts, access to an additional guided meditation every week, monthly group meetings and teachings via Zoom, and access to a loving and supportive online community. Additionally, all members will receive 20% off of all of their coaching sessions. You can follow the link in the show notes for this community offer or visit patreon.com slash empowered spirituality. Mm -hmm.